0: Now, back to In the Box on TSN 1200.
1: Sister Christian, oh, the time has come. And you know that you're the only one to say. Right, I might be a convert. Leaper yeah. Sage, Graham Creech, you in the box. Creature, if you're producing all the time on In the Box and are playing this type of stuff, I can understand why Steve Lloyd or anybody else doesn't come in until, like, minutes into the songs. Another good one. Let's go to the Gabriel Pizza Hotline Sense Insider. One and only Gord Wilson. Speaking s- of another good one,
2: <laughs> oh, Sister Christian. <laughs>
1: what a tune!
2: Oh, Gord. <laughs> I I played this specifically for. Yeah. Dirk.
0: <laughs> Dirk Wilson. This, this is so sad. How this has evolved. It's just so sad. You mentioned. One favorite movie, and it just <laughs> explodes. <laughs> There's
2: a difference between mentioning and being obsessed with.
0: Well, good point. I think Steve might be a little bit more obsessed with it than would, me, but I anyway. would agree with that. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Boogie uh, nights for those who don't know what yep. we're talking about. And I'm sure there are many. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, Gord, um, what happened this weekend?
0: Well, there were certainly boogie nights, that's for sure. They were booger nights. <laughs> um, I can tell you the schedule kicked in, and uh, I, I know people are going, okay, excuse makers. And Tim Stutzville last night was very quick to point out every team has a back-to-back, and the Senators have done very well in their back-to-backs. Prior to this weekend, I think they were 6-3 and three in their first game and 6-3 and three in their second game. So this 10th set of back-to-backs, obviously... Didn't go well with back-to-back losses in Vancouver and one last night uh, in Calgary. That being said, I don't know if I've – it's been a long time. I can tell you it's been an awful long time since I've been a part of the second game of a back-to-back where the time change – really did have an effect on the hockey team. It, it had an effect on all of us who traveled. And I know people don't want to hear this, and the players don't want to use it as an excuse, but it was reality yesterday. And you could see it in the game. You could see it. Boy, there were times, I, I commented at one point on a power play opportunity for Ottawa that didn't allow a power play goal against, shorty against, um, but it didn't do anything offensively. And halfway through, there was a line change. And Thomas Shabbat and I, I can't remember who it was, but there were two players who started to glide at the face-off dot at center ice towards the bench in making a change. And the players on the bench, I mean, they were just out of gas. They were probably out of belief as well, but they were certainly out of gas, and it was very, very apparent and that was probably midway through the second period or somewhere around there. It, um, it caught up to them, obviously, the physical nature of uh, the games that were played, the emotional game that they played against Seattle, and the time change and everything else. So back to work tomorrow. Um, day off today here in Edmonton. Back to work tomorrow. Um, and they'll face, a, again, a very tough-looking Edmonton squad that is coming off a disappointing loss in Toronto on Saturday.
1: Sometimes when you're watching and media continually pointed out and pointed out and pointed out, you're just hitting the face with it, right? And that was the power play on the weekend. Yeah. Um, since the All-Star break, I, th- I think they mentioned it about a hundred times on the broadcast uh, last night. But I get it. Seven power play goals for seven shorthanded goals against since the All-Star break. Yeah. A- and Ouch. then it really it begs the question of what happens to this team right now in a spot where they clearly don't believe when they go out on the ice for a power play, not only that they're not going to score, but that they might be scored against. Like what can DJ Smith and the rest of the coaching staff do to change things up? Can they change the personnel? Is it a setup issue? What can restore confidence because the same thing, running the same thing back over and over again, I know it's been great for them all year. It's been amazing until then, but, but in the most important time of the year, it has, it's failed them. And so what can you do now to try and change things
0: up? Well, that's a good question. And obviously it's one that they're thinking of as well. And it's more than anything. You can just change the personnel on both units and you just hope that something works. Uh, Obviously, through two-thirds of the season, everything was humming along nicely. And we weren't complaining at all about a power play that was top ten in the NHL, uh, top five for the longest time. No one was complaining whatsoever. And obviously, the nature of the business is to focus in on a lot of the negatives. And when the team is on the outside looking in, there are clearly more negatives than positives. And the five-on-five play was clearly um, a target of uh attack if you will uh or criticism and for good reason right 27th 28th at times they were 30 31st in the in the nhl in power in sorry even strength production five on five production was not good and now when the power play takes a hit it's 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 obviously worth focusing in on but at the same time it has been the most successful part of this team's game consistently throughout the course of the season this is the toughest stretch Uh, I had mentioned the other night that um, the team had not gone more than four games without a power play goal and something would have to give. Well, it didn't again. So now they've gone six or seven without a power play goal, uh, which is um, obviously an abnormal situation for this hockey club. So uh, the the question now is you search for answers and what do you do? Well, I don't think for a second that Davis Payne um, um, hasn't stayed awake at night thinking of different combinations and permutations that will turn this team into uh, getting a little bit more success with the man advantage. The problem is they haven't been completely snake bitten in terms of creating chances. And therein lies the issue. It's a fine line between creating chances and finishing those and creating those chances and having them go the other way. And um, I'm not sure this team goes onto the ice Lee, your first statement sort of tweaked my peaked my interest here because I, I'm not sure if the team does go on the ice in a man advantage situation thinking we're we're not going to score here and we may give one up. I think that it's just impossible to think that way when you're in a tight hockey game and um, you, you have an opportunity. I think what they're doing is. Overplaying the puck and overthinking the puck, and as a result, they're not doing things instinctively. They're not doing things uh, that have come natural to them because they are pressing. And most of the shorties that have been scored have been on power plays where this team has been chasing the game, and um, that's an indication of. uh, And there have been, believe you me, look at you. We can analyze the seven shorthanded goals against since the All Star break until we're blue in the face, and you'll see a different situation for the majority of them, but there have been a few where the team has just been sloppy, just careless with the puck, and um, that's inexplicable. Um, it's a sign of, as um, uh, Travis Hammonick said last night, some immaturity to the game. And, Lee, I, I may even take the, the, the other approach that, okay, we've got this here. The, the attitude is, we've got this, fellas. We've got a power play. Let's go out and get it done because we've done that in the past. And it's not happening now. And now they're trying to figure out answers.
2: Last night, uh, sorry, Gord was just busy doing some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff for the first part of the interview. Um, yeah. But I don't believe you've touched on this stuff. Um, last night we did see uh, Pinto uh, sat for uh, a couple of shifts after his play on on one of the goals. And, and he also had a couple um, turnovers and, and just not taking care of the puck um, in Vancouver as well. My right. question to you is, do you believe because of how big these games are right now that, that we could see for the first time really DJ start doing it with, with other players and, and more skilled players up the lineup if, if this kind of stuff continues?
0: Well, herein lies the problem because they came out of last night's game with three players who were hobbled and uh, the situation and, and don't think I don't disagree. I commented it on the broadcast last night after Thomas Shabbat that tur- turned the puck over twice on power play situations and careless. I just thought he was careless with the puck. And I thought, you know what? If there's a time now where the coach is going to send a message to uh, his defense corps and everybody else, boy, if he misses a couple of shifts, that'll send a pretty strong message. And the next thing, you know, and, and as soon as I finished saying it, he had gone to the bench and he came back out, did not miss a beat. So, but he's one of the guys who's hobbled here. And uh, I'm guessing he'll be questionable. Uh, based on what I saw post-game last night, and he didn't finish the third period. He had one shift in period three. He blocked a, a Michael Backlund shot, I think, on his first shift of the period, and I think it took place about 40 seconds into the first. We didn't see him for the rest of the night, and he did not look good post-game last night at the rink. So I'm going to say right now, questionable. We'll get an update, potentially Sometime today, but certainly we will tomorrow morning. And if he's not on the ice, my guess is he's not playing tomorrow. So um, he's, he, I, and I know you're thinking, Graham, okay, if it's going to happen, it's got to happen to somebody significant. If the coach is going to bench somebody, it's got to be a significant benching. Well, when you bench your second line centerman, that's of significance, right? Um, unfortunately, last night it also occurred when the team had lost Matthew Joseph and they knew he was done for the night. So now you're down to 11 forwards and now you get sloppy play from your second line centerman. And again, a second line centerman who's expected to produce and is expected to uh, play the right way. Well, the last two games and and look at, I thought Shane Pinto's game against Seattle was fantastic. And in fact, to the point where I had a long chat with him afterwards and said, you look like you're playing with more confidence and, and, And and that's exactly what he was doing. He was playing with more confidence and and felt better about his game. And then the next night against um, Vancouver, it was not good. He he had a couple of bad plays, and I think from the bad plays that led to either goals or scoring chances, um, this 22-year-old who's now in the thick of things with everybody else is finding that it's tough. It's real tough, and you're playing a desperate team, that uh, wants to extend a winning streak and prove the naysayers wrong. And I'm talking about Vancouver now proving the naysayers wrong about dismantling everything and this, that, and everything else. Well, the Canucks had a hard, good game the other night. The senators consistently did not. And from their top players, they didn't. And so um, it results in a, um, a, a, drop in confidence. And from there, it kind of snowballs and it did for Shane into last night's game. So to bench him for a couple of shifts um, does send a message to him, uh, but the team looks at the bench and the shortness of the bench, and you, you just really can't emphasize a point um, at that point in the game.
1: Yeah, you got to coach to win. I think we we understand that. But while you're speaking there, Gord, I do think there's a lot of people thinking, okay, we don't disagree with what you're saying about Shane Pinto and – uh, the way that you know, if you make a couple of mistakes, and sometimes you got to sit down, and he needs to be a little bit better. I, I I think that's coaching, and that's okay. Yep. I think where the the issue becomes is you look at shorthanded goals and Alex DeBrinket doing some flybys and Drake Batherson. I mean, Drake Batherson, Alex DeBrinket are minus fifty five combined. Oh, My, God. Minus yeah. fifty five. And yeah. I think when you see and you watch, and I'm not trying to pick on those guys. I think Shabbat's been careless. I think there's some other guys, I guess, that have more experience than a Shane Pinto that have not been sat down. Yeah. And and then people go, okay, well, Shane Pinto's being sat down, which I think is the right move. If somebody's not playing well and they're making mistakes, sometimes it's easier to just sit down for a couple of shifts and kind of get the point across but people listening and people watching going, okay, well that hasn't happened with other guys. And when you say that just two forwards wingers are minus 55 on the year, mm-hmm. that's, I know plus minus isn't everything. I, I get it, but man, that's a big number.
0: It is a huge number, obviously. And, um, I would come back to your original point. You played to win. You coach to win, pardon me. And, um, you look at the depth of this hockey club. So if you want to sit Alex debrinkett down for a couple of shifts, right. And you know that your third line left winger is out of the game because of a leg injury. Your options are double shifting Brady on the second night of a back to back where he has led by example, physically uh, this entire road trip, you can throw in Dylan, Dylan Gambrell on the left wing, if you like, and, he hasn't scored in, well, now 45 games. Julian Gouche is an option, and you put him over on the left wing to play with Pinto Drew. What I'm saying is, and I can go down Watson, Costello, Kelly. Um, what I'm saying is there aren't many options available if you decide I'm going to send a message and bench my top-played player. And, I, look, I don't disagree. It, it has to happen occasionally. There's no question about it, but there has to be the right time and place to have it done. And last night, with the situation of travel, the situation of two games in 22 hours, uh, it's it's not the right situation. Simple as that. But I, I, I hear you. I mean, minus I, I've looked at Drake's plus minus all all season long, obviously, and made comments on that. And I've seen Alex's, and he went into last night's game at a minus 21. <laughs> I haven't added the
1: two together. (laughs) Well, it's just glaring, right? And then then I think, and maybe not even about last night, I think some of the context in which at least I'm speaking is the fact that we've seen a lot of flybys in the last, like, few weeks. And yes, they've won some games, and that's great. But I think when you're on the power play and you have three guys back and they have two, and the two guys are doing whatever they want and they score a shorthanded goal, you're like, what's happening here? like yeah, the, just the cover the coverage in the in their own zone but yeah. you know what the, there's nothing to do now but move forward after a bad weekend and here comes you mentioned the schedule while there might not be a lot of back to backs there's a lot of good teams and it starts tomorrow Edmonton Colorado here you got Toronto you got Boston you got Tampa you got all kinds of great teams coming up so you know To get back on that level where you start to believe again, I think the Sens were playing like they believed that they could get there, even in the Seattle game. Like, yeah, the Chicago game, okay, I can accept it's a one-off. Still didn't love the fact that they got hammered by a bad team, but they came back, they won the Seattle game. More of the concern is now you've had two games back-to-back that haven't gone very well. You've given up 19 goals in the last four games. How are you going to stop? the onslaught and start to believe again that you can win and that's a difficult task when you're in Edmonton tomorrow
0: well it's a difficult task where you're anywhere but certainly here in Edmonton uh, against a team that begins a run um, uh, the Senators begin a run against a team that is in place uh, in a playoff spot right now but not firmly in a playoff spot. There's the potential that Edmonton could get knocked out, but they won't. I'm telling you right now that Edmonton will be a playoff team, but they're the first of seven straight against Ottawa that are playoff bound teams. And that includes Colorado on Thursday, Toronto on Saturday. Then this team has Pittsburgh and Boston, and then it's got Tampa Bay and then it's got New Jersey. So seven straight games against teams that are bound to make the playoffs this year. The Senators, when you look at strength of schedule, have the toughest. Of any of the teams challenging for a postseason spot right now that includes Washington and Florida, potentially the Islanders and Pittsburgh, who are both in, the Senators, of their 16 games remaining, 11 are against teams that are in the playoffs as it stands today. Hmm. Strength of schedule does not favor Ottawa. In fact, it's, it's very, very hard against this team. And you couple that with the fact you've got two goaltenders who are 22 years of age, first year players who have never been in a tough situation before at the NHL level um, and are in the thick of things as far as a race is concerned. And I'm not saying Kevin Mandelazi was the reason, or even Mad Sogard was the reason why the, the senators lost back-to-back games, but it's different. It's a different feel for the players in front. Mm-hmm. They know their margin of error is very, very slim. And, um, unfortunately there have been errors made on this hockey club that have ended up in the back of the net. So, um, it, it's, (laughs) look, it, 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 things are not rolling the right way here for this team here right now. So what they have to do is just, and I, I know you're talking about belief in themselves. Well, there's always going to be that belief. They know that they, if they play their game in the right way, they have a chance of winning the game There is that belief that on any given night, any team can beat another team, but you need help along the way. You need the other team to have a hiccup or two as well. And in a two nothing game last night, there was a hiccup, right? Uh, San or pardon me, Cal Calgary. I'll get the right team. Calgary turns the puck over in their own end. When Markstrom is out of the net and Stutzla has an easy tap and into an empty net to make it, um, a one goal game. Well, a minute seven after that, Calgary comes down and Uberdo scores. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you can't have that happen. And it's happened too often to Ottawa this year.
1: Okay, so you mentioned the goaltenders. They've been put in a tough spot here. I don't think they've been bad. Um, for Do you think, and maybe you just answered this, but that the team can play, have to play a little bit different in front of them than if it were Cam Talbot in net. And as you said, it kind of can go either way, right? Like, it can go, wow, well, if we make a mistake, it's in the back of the net. And we got to be, you know, that margin for error is small. Or maybe we need to be a little bit sounder defensively in front of them and, and try and, and win a 3-2 game, something like that. Like, the, just the mindset of a team, I don't put any faults in those guys either. I think they've, they've, right. they've, they've been pretty yeah. good. But the mindset of the rest of the team in front of them, for good or for bad, can change with young goaltenders in there?
0: Yeah, without question. And I think the mindset has to be defense first. We have to tighten things up as a five-man unit. There was a lot of scrambled play in the Ottawa end last night. There were a lot of backdoor plays that were wide open that Calgary didn't convert. There were a lot of uh, very quick odd-man rush situations where guys were breaking through defensemen in the middle of the ice and getting quick uh, opportunities on on sort of give-and-go passes. There was... There was just an attention to detail that wasn't there last night. But, again, uh, it's, it's funny because in the Vancouver game, Claude Giroux hits the post, I think, on the second shift of the game. And I believe in Chicago as well. It might have been the first shift of the game. He hits the post uh, on a great opportunity. Ottawa came out flying in both of those games. And they chime one off the crossbar. And it's still zero zero. And the other team, like, well, Vancouver scored first, so Ottawa is now chasing. In the Chicago game, Claude hits the net. It hits the back of the net, and it's one nothing Ottawa. My my general my feeling at that moment was, it was a it was a game changer. A post was a game changer in the first two minutes of the hockey game because it changed the complexion of the game. Chicago still had a good belief. They knew Staylock was in a bit of a groove. The Senators weren't able to score. And I know you guys talked about this in the afternoon show as well, Lee, about, you know, out shooting Chicago 11 or 12 to 3, having the better chances, but we're down one nothing. And then you go into the second period, you go, okay, more of the same here, guys, and you get scored on early. And it's two nothing, and now you're really pressing. And when you're really pressing, you're deviating from the game plan. And this is all part of the the, the maturation level of the team. Um, we saw a more mature game display on display against Seattle. They're they're up three nothing. They're down four three. They score right away to make it a four four game, and then they hold their own. Um, This is the the highs and lows that come with a team that is this young. It's still in search of uh, a consistent, mature game. And the, you become more, well, the more situations where you're chasing a game and you get a chance to hang around and get equal and on even footing with that team, it's a sign of you're growing. But when you start to press and you start to turn the puck over because you're pressing um, and you give up more of a lead, that's, that's, indicates that there's still a long way to go.
2: I know uh to, to finish up this trip they they have a they're carrying a couple of extra forwards um so if if and we're waiting on an update on on Joseph but um if that is is a longer term thing do you anticipate um potentially when they return uh, to Ottawa that maybe someone from Belleville gets the call in in terms of replacing um, what they'd be missing uh, from joseph whether it's it's speed or or give somebody a shot that has produced in belleville do, do you think that we could see that or do you think that there's just enough NHL forwards with the roster that uh, those guys will take those spots?
0: Well, there are enough. I mean, you've got Derek and you've got Patrick Brown. I was a little surprised Patrick Brown wasn't in the lineup last night, to be very honest with you. I thought he would have played. I would have thought would have uh, would, would have played as well, not to take uh, anything from his game. He's been a healthy scratch the last three. I thought Patrick Brown... Uh, deserve the chance to play and maybe Austin Watson get a rest in the second game of a back-to-back, but uh, coach's decision, obviously. So they've got Derek Brassard, they've got Patrick Brown still up here. Uh, if Thomas Shabbat can't go, Nick Holden will slide back in uh, at the end of this long road trip and um, make decisions personnel wise, I guess uh, on Wednesday, the travel day home uh, in preparation for Colorado. But I, I think it's probably still a little too early in the month. Uh, to start thinking about call-ups here. When they're, I don't think the embrace the race uh, motto has, has gone by the wayside just yet. They're six points out. they got a couple of games in hand. Um, they, they need to find their game in an awful hurry. You're exactly right. But at the same time, um, I think the personnel that they have now that has won them more games than lost in the last month And I'm talking months, not the month of March. They're three and three in March. But I think the team that has won the more games than lost over the last month, they'll want to stick with it, stick with for a little while longer.
1: Well, momentum can be a funny thing, not going their way right now. But you've got to win in Edmonton. You come home, you beat Colorado, and suddenly you feel a lot better about yourselves and your chances after two big wins. So. First chance tomorrow night in Edmonton against Connor McDavid, Leon dry Saddle and company. Uh, always appreciate the conversation, Gord. And uh, it's been a long trip. Hopefully they can get a win and come back with some
0: positivity on Thursday. All right, fellas, thank you very much for this. Yes, look forward to talking to you. Oh, I may not talk to you on Wednesday. I think I might be in the air, but I'll uh, we'll figure something out. Okay, you
1: better. Oh wow! Hey boys, there goes Gord Wilson. Sends insider on the Gabriel Pizza hotline. Gabriel Pizza the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators. Take a break. Come back with more here on In the Box on TSN 1200.
0: Now back to In the Box on TSN 1200.
1: Welcome back in the box here on TSN 1200. Leave your stage, Graham Creech. Breath the hitman heart. At least his music. Uh, as far as I can count, Graham. That even gets me fired up. How can it not? The hands out. The shades on some lucky fan. Beforehand. By the way, AEW is coming to Winnipeg this this week, second that, time in Canada.
2: Is that the Jericho Factor? Yep,
1: for sure. What, like, what's uh, his
2: role uh, aside? Like, does he have a management role there other than being a wrestler? Nope.
1: Uh, but he is considered kind of the leader of the locker room. But how about the other guy who does have a role in management? I couldn't name you one other player. I, I know, on but the roster. You've at least heard of the name. Yes, I've
2: heard of names, but I like right now I couldn't with without a hint right. say Danny Bryan, maybe.
1: Uh yeah, he goes by Brian Danielson now, because that's his real name. His other name in the WWE was close to what you close, not exactly, but close to what you got to. Uh my point is is that Kenny Omega.
2: Kenny Omega, I've heard that name too. Yeah.
1: Guess where Kenny Omega's from? That would be Winnipeg.
2: I did not know that. Yeah.
1: So and he is involved in management in AEW. He's one of the executive vice presidents. A couple other wrestlers are as well. But he is. So Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, both from Winnipeg.
2: You see the guy that um, your podcast partner, Zach McGibbon, went and saw like on yes. some low circuit in Japan or something like that like before he came became big? And... Yeah,
1: it wasn't a low circuit, but certainly... Well, okay, it was
2: big over there, I guess, but...
1: Oh, in North America, he had not yet carved okay. out his... His
2: and a young Zach McGibbon was like, yo, this is the next guy.
1: 20 years old and went to Japan. By himself. By himself. To watch three weeks of wrestling. <laughs> I always describe to people, I say this all the time. You know this, I'm not trying to brag. Out of 10, I'm an 11 yeah. when it comes to wrestling.
2: The, the, the moment where that was a wake-up call for me. Like, I always knew you were the, like, the big wrestling guy, of course. But we used to have a, an intern here... Will Macklin Mm -hmm. and I remember he was sitting like I back in the day when we did sports updates and stuff as the producer and I was doing that and he was in here shadowing me and somehow wrestling came up I'm like oh you were on location and I was like Ali he's a huge wrestling guy like knows everything he's like nah he's like I could beat him it's like ask him this. And you you're like boom, 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 you knock them down and then you asked him something he didn't know the answer to. And you're like, Yeah, thanks for coming out, rook sealer. So like, <laughs> I was like, Okay, at least the wrestling guy. But when
1: I say that I'm an eleven out of ten, Zach McGibbon's like a twenty seven. <laughs> he it's it's when you think you're good at something and then you run into someone like him, it's actually quite humbling. So that's why I just make fun of him on the podcast about other things in life. And then he tells me about wrestling. This is wrestling. The podcast, probably another edition coming up should be recording tonight. So it should be out tomorrow and that will be on the docket as we get into WrestleMania season. Also, I think I told you this before. uh, We'll recap 19 year old kid from here in Ottawa, London lightning uh, wrestled on the weekend. How do you do? Uh, very well. Nice. I, got, I wasn't there, but I got a, a YouTube um, video of the entire match against Stu Grayson, who is a veteran. It would be like somebody you know, that's been around for a long time asking a young rook to come wrestle him because they think they have a lot of potential, and that's what Stu Grayson did for the Ottawa Kid London Lightning, and apparently they had a great match. I watched it. It was great. A lot of other people thought it was great, too. So good experience for him on the weekend on Saturday, right here, downtown in Ottawa. Okay, so 20 minutes to go in the program, got the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night here on TSN 1200. I was mentioning to Gord, and I wasn't trying to be entirely critical, but It was more to the point of, and we've been talking about this all afternoon, when Shane Pinto got benched, how come that hasn't happened to previous guys before this? And you're always coaching to win, and DJ has his guys, and we totally understand that. And the drop-off from the top six to the bottom six is a staggering one. AJ had some really good stuff on the Kraken before the Kraken game, that going into the Seattle game, Ottawa had the top five scores from both teams. One, two, three, four, five. And then the next 13 guys were members of the Kraken before the sixth guy from Ottawa got up onto the list. And it's like, okay, they're top heavy and they're not bottom heavy. So when you're deciding to sit guys down, you're not going to get a ton of production necessarily from other guys. I actually think, and I know he got hurt last night again, Matthew Joseph, to me, has been very underwhelming. A guy who, when he was in the top six and putting up points, and people are like, oh, my God, this is amazing for Nick Paul and signed his contract. It's like, but that's not where he's going to play when this team's going to be good. He's not going to be in the top six. But he's a guy, I think, that could go up when healthy
2: and try and provide a little bit of boost if one of those guys is struggling. But it's just... There's definitely a massive drop-off, both with the Norris injury but just also how how the team was built um for the third and fourth line you think of the the Connor Brown trade and um obviously out of their control with what happened with uh why Alex Formanton yeah. um, isn't here uh this season um see what ends up happening with that but like that those are a couple major blows Nick Paul uh, being another um and we saw it all season when this team had success it was the power play, and I often, when I'm saying this, give credit to the top six, but but really Giroux, Stutzler, and uh, Kachuk, um, the other guys, of course, as well. But um, but that that's what's carried them. It, it it has always been a major issue is the lack of depth uh, with the forward group. Um, on that five game winning streak, you did see it. Like that was the best five or ten games of the season. Where you were getting production from Austin Watson, Mark like Broussard has, has done, has chipped in throughout the season. Um, even Gambrell was chipping in with a few points. You you were you were getting that, uh, Goche with a couple points as well. Um, but you had to expect that wasn't going to continue, just based on the sample size that we saw all season. Where they're just this isn't a shot at Dylan Gambrell, but he's not a third line center anywhere. He, he's He's given the coach some good minutes. When when you watch video, when they watch video, Gambrell shows up in the right places. He's a guy that coach can trust. He ain't a third-line center. And that's okay,
1: right? Like, you are what you are. But let me, and I I said this to Gore, but let me try and paint this picture in uh, a little bit different when I compare the lines, okay? First of all, I just do want to mention that Claude Giroux on this team has 66 points and is a plus six, okay? So I'm just going to put that out there. You want to take the top line, which is Stutzla, Kachak, and Jura, right? That's line number one. Combined on the year, they are minus two. Let's go to the second line, which is Pinto with Debrinket and Batherson. They are minus seventy-three. Top line minus two. And are one, two, three in scoring on your team. Second line are four, five, and seven in scoring on your team and are minus 73. I don't know. Maybe at some point.
2: It's a bit of a gap.
1: Yeah. Maybe at some point, either some defensive work from the coaches, guys sitting down, maybe switching it up.
2: That's what. And I think your point um, with Gord, it wasn't necessarily. Sunday night in Calgary. Right. But earlier in the season. Hey, Shabbat, Hey, Patterson, whoever. Yeah. This isn't acceptable. You're going to miss a couple shifts here. Yep. And then down the road, maybe maybe it's improved. Who knows how they react to it, but yeah, I think that was your point. It's not specifically I want to see these guys sat Sunday night, especially cuz Joseph got hurt and, yeah.
1: and that kind of stuff. Yes. It was earlier in the year because at this point I just don't know what's going to change. I'm hoping that it changes, but I'm not sure exactly what's going to change. Uh, We'll take another break. We'll fire you up for the drive coming up. And look forward to tomorrow's game day. Back in Edmonton against the Oilers. Sage Graham Creech in the box here on TSN 1200.
0: Now back to In the Box on TSN 1200.
1: Welcome back in the box. Cleaver Sage in for Steve Lugg, Graham Creech. Coming up next, AJ Jackie back, Chris Stevenson. Cam Clement, a lot of good text coming in. through the problem, uh, DJ having trouble motivating the players. Fire the coach, shake up the dressing room. They're not going to do that now. New ownership's coming in, and they can decide exactly what path they want to go on. Whether that's DJ Smith or somebody else. Zen Lee, who's the greatest wrestler of all time and why is it the Ultimate Warrior? Graham, if you could just block that person, uh, that would be great.
2: (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know what? The Ultimate Warrior has one of the best ever. What's going through your mind right now? What do you think I'm going to say?
1: Entrances, music, kind of... Pump up hulk ups, shaking the ropes.
2: McDonald's glasses from the 90s. Okay.
1: That was not it.
2: <laughs> that that glass was sick. <laughs> yeah, this this theme song is meh.
1: Yeah, it's meh.
2: Definitely wasn't gonna say that.
1: I keep seeing miss calls for and bad calls against it should have our coach showing some kind of emotion on the bench But every time the camera pans over to him he's just chewing gum with a mildly disappointed look on his face need to see some kind of emotion here look at Giroux by comparison uh, i don't know
2: i don't know i feel like we've like really seen do? a number of times dj kind of blowing a gasket disagreeing with something and and even if he doesn't in a situation where you might want it if Exactly. What's what's that gonna do? I, I think I like I like emotion in some some areas from a head coach, but also your players take on your identity. So if if you're losing control and Yeah Yeah it I don't know, maybe an issue to some people, not to me. The only
1: time I could even hear this issue is if something so egregious happened. My best example of this of all time is Rick Campbell. Rick Campbell in front of the media was Mr. Keel, right?
0: You're blowing my mind right now.
1: <laughs> well, Rick, you blew our minds with sometimes a lack of things that you said in the media. But when he talked to his players and behind closed doors, he wasn't necessarily like that. He knew what to do to sort of drive up the emotion on his team without doing that in front of people. And the one time he did it, the one time, was on a call so egregious that after video replay looked at it and didn't change it, he threw the flag again to challenge it twice.